0: That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time ever every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And sitting across from me in a completely different location than he was last time, we're in studio C1 or X4 or something, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland.
0: Hey there! That's right, the uh, studio A, the old, the old bird. The old lady. Yeah. <laughs> she's uh she's go undergoing a bit of a of a of a renovation, uh, a complete teardown and reconstruction phase, and is going to be bigger and badder than ever once uh, the six week period is up. Uh, we are recording this on week one of that six week <laughs> period. Um, of course, this will this will publish much later. So, or, or maybe not much later, but later, and uh, and we'll be well on our way to returning to our studio space. But I, in the meantime, we are in an empty office.
1: And I, I heard there would be turbo lasers on the new one.
0: I hope ion lasers, because those end up di- uh, completely disabling a ship without actually causing it damage.
1: Well, you know, we do what we can fit in the budget. At anyway. any
0: rate, so uh, we are currently in a tiny, unused office that is getting increasingly warm as we go. So why don't we just uh, jump right into this week's topic, which happens to be a highly requested topic. In fact, let me run through this really quickly. We have received requests from listeners such as Robert, Art, Karen, Josh, David, Joe, Patrick, Steve, and our good friend Humble Floyd. The trucker. Hey. Uh, th- this is, uh, this topic is ham radio or amateur radio. Um, mm-hmm. this, this what we got a lot of requests for this after we did CB radio quite a while ago. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of, a uh, lot of different topics on our list that we go through. And this was just one that's been there for a while. And, and Chris said, you know what? We really need to tackle this. And, and I agreed.
1: All right. So, uh, it seems like it's all in fun, you know, and, and mostly. As, as well, fun. I, you know what, I was getting to that. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, it, it seems like it's all in good fun. I mean, as a portion of the radio spectrum dedicated to people getting on there and meeting people from all over the world, uh, as a spectrum that allows you to talk. And, and the signals carry for a long distance. Yeah,
0: depending on uh, which frequency you're in, yes.
1: Yeah. But, it's, but as Jonathan pointed out, it's not necessarily all for fun here in the United States. Uh, part of the reason that the Federal Communications Commission grants these licenses is so that people can use these frequencies to broadcast emergency messages in the event of something going horribly, horribly wrong.
0: Right. You know, normal communication methods may be interrupted, but – Often you can find someone with a, a radio transceiver uh, who is able to continue to communicate with the outside world, or possibly with people just across town, to try and uh, uh, coordinate efforts in case of need for like a emergency rescue or uh, rerouting traffic, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And. Um, uh, there are several ways that that amateur radio differs from uh, citizens' band radio or CB radio. That's true. And one was one that Chris mentioned just now, which were licenses. Yes. You must have a license in order to operate within the amateur radio uh, frequencies. And there are many of the frequencies. They're, they're in bands, mm-hmm. and they are throughout the radio frequency spectrum. Uh, and it's different from country to country. Not every country uses the exact same uh, bands uh to you know they don't group everything together in the same bands that we do in the United States,
1: which is a good thing in a way because yeah. it uh keeps people from talking over one another,
0: yeah, the interference is cut down a little bit, and however, that does mean that uh on certain frequencies you theoretically should be unable to contact people in uh in uh, countries that are working on a different frequency. They shouldn't mm-hmm. be on that one uh and the whole radio spectrum is is pretty wide. You know, it's not a tiny little thing. It's um, uh, I, I actually downloaded a, wow. a little, a, <laughs> yeah. I downloaded a thing <laughs> here about the uh, the radio spectrum, and yeah, he's saying wow because it's pretty huge. Um, in fact, at fifty percent, I can't even read it because yeah. it's it's shrunk everything down. But yeah, uh, yeah. from about Jonathan's
1: going to hold this uh, his computer up to the microphone so that you all can hear so what everyone, he's seeing.
0: Everyone, take a look. <laughs> everyone, don't, don't crowd. Uh-huh. Uh, no, but, uh, from about nine kilohertz, uh, to, let's see, how, what does it go up to? All the way to, scroll down and to the right, 300 gigahertz, nine kilohertz mm-hmm. to 300 gigahertz. That's the full spectrum there. And large sections, large chunks of that spectrum are dedicated to specific um, uh, uh, services or uh, um, like emergency services have certain sections allocated sure. to them and mm-hmm. no one else is allowed to broadcast in those. Television, AM radio, FM radio, these kind of things have dedicated spectrums, mm-hmm. right? And then outside of that, you have a few spectrums that are set aside specifically for amateur radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, we mentioned the licenses. It's interesting. You can only access certain uh, certain bands Depending on what your license is, you can't, you know, just because you get a license to work in amateur radio, at least in the United States. Right. Uh, if you get a license to work amateur radio, that does not automatically mean that you can access the entire uh, radio frequency set aside for amateur radio. Uh, there are three sets of, or three different um, levels of licenses in the United States. There's the technician class license, uh, which is the, the base. License, yeah. Uh, and the way you get that is you have to answer a thirty-five question uh, multiple-choice examination. You have to pass this examination, and the examination focuses on things like uh, the operating practices, uh, regulations, um, electronics theory, like what you know, like our our podcast that we covered basic electronics yeah. theory. Yeah, you have to have a good grounding in that in order to be an amateur radio. <laughs> 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 I didn't mean it that way. You all right. <laughs> Well, oh, it's so warm in here. I almost let loose with an actual curse word. Um <laughs>
1: That's Josh's job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they don't beep him. Have you noticed? I get beeped for saying, taking the p***s out of, but he doesn't. Anyway, oh, sorry for the beep. Hey, Liz, how you doing? So... <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, the, you have to, the, the exam covers the regulations, operating, uh, operating practices, electronics theory, that kind of stuff. Also, uh, information on VHF and UHF signals, which are talking about, you know, ultra high frequency and very high frequency radio signals. Yeah. Now, those high frequency radio signals also happen to be the ones that don't travel that far. Comparatively speaking, right. You can use those to communicate with someone who's in the same town that you are in. But here's the thing about radio frequencies: it's kind of interesting. Uh, when you talk about, uh, you have to you have to keep in mind there are two different measurements t- <laughs> that are going uh, when you're talking about um, radio frequencies. Okay. The measurement in uh, in hertz, which is the number of waves per second, mm-hmm. right, and then the length of the wave, which is inversely proportional. You know, the the shorter the wave, the more you're going to get going through in a second,
1: right? Because they're all traveling
0: at the same speed.
1: Uh, you know, I always have a problem with wavelength and amplitude. So, all right, so I'm all right. I'm so radio, gonna nod.
0: radio travels. Or we're talking backwards. about we're talking about the speed of light here, essentially, right? Electromagnetic okay. radiation. We're mm-hmm. talking about electromagnetic we're talking, radiation. We're talking. Everything's moving at the same speed. If you have a really long wavelength, you're going to get fewer repetitions within a second than if you have a very short wavelength because they're both traveling at the same speed. Okay. All right. So these high frequency uh, radio waves happen to be very, very short. And, um, and so they, they don't travel that far. And the reason they don't travel that far is because the long waves have the benefit of being reflected by the ionosphere. Aha. Now the ionosphere is, way the heck up there but it (laughs) tends to that's that's a technical term (laughs) yeah it is that's stuff from the science lab that's why i'm not going that far into detail okay but uh the ionosphere can reflect long radio waves and uh and depending on the time of day uh it can reflect certain wavelengths better than others it does change throughout the day and the night um and also other radio uh other electromagnetic um, uh, interference can, can affect it as well. Things like the aurora borealis, mm-hmm. that's actually electromagnetic uh, a phenomenon there. It's not just pretty lights. So that can also reflect radio waves. Well, if you're using really long radio waves that, and they bounce off the ionosphere, you can actually transmit messages all the way across the world. So you and I could use a ham radio operating on these very long radio frequencies to talk to people in Australia. Mm -hmm. However, we would have to have a, a higher class license than just the basic because the technician class license does not give you access to those radio waves. Right. So the next level up would be the general class license. Now that gives you a much larger uh Range of frequencies that you can use, including the really big ones. So you can start talking to people who are on the other side of the world. And uh, and you have to pass another 35 question examination mm-hmm. and it gets a little more specific. It's a little more advanced. So you have to have a better understanding of electronic theory mm-hmm. as opposed to a grounding um, as well as operating procedures and all that kind of stuff. And then the the third and final level in the United States is the amateur extra class license. Um, and the reason you would want this is because at certain, in certain bands, radio traffic's pretty heavy mm-hmm. because that's where everyone's operating. So you, if you wanted to get the amateur extra class license, you would have access to the most elite bands of frequencies where you could, uh, there's not as much traffic. You can, you're more likely to be able to uh, get your messages through. And you can even use it for experiments, like things like Earth to Moon to Earth transmissions. Where you're actually bouncing, you know, you're aiming your radio signals up at the moon to bounce off and come back down. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, and um, that is different than the other two. Instead of having to answer a 35 multiple choice question, you have to answer a 50 uh, uh, 50 multiple choice question examination and pass that. Uh, and there's something that's interesting recently about all three of the examinations that, um, that has changed just over the last few years. Oh, yes? Yes. There's one thing you no longer need to know in order to become an amateur radio uh, specialist or a user-related specialist is the wrong term entirely, but an amateur radio operator. Okay. You know what that is, right?
1: I do indeed know what that what, is.
0: Hit me with it, baby. Morse code. Yes. You no longer need to know Morse code in order to become an amateur radio operator, a licensed amateur radio operator. And now it used to be that that was one of the requirements. You mm-hmm. had to learn Morse code. Morse code was one of the... Uh, the most, what, probably the most popular way of transmitting information via ham radio for many years. And the reason for that is that at, at certain signals, the, uh, quality of the radio transmission is fairly low. So it's hard to transmit information like voice info. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least on the older radios, the lower powered radios, and under certain, like I said, certain radio frequencies. Mm-hmm. So if you were to try and transmit voice over those signals, It would just kind of come in staticky and and unintelligible. But you use something like a series of of dots and dashes, beeps. Right. Those would go and transmit much more effectively. And so that was, you know, and it was also kind of a carryover from the uh, the telegraph days. Yes. So you went from telegraph to radio and it just made sense because the, the fidelity wasn't there for voice yet. And uh, it kind of stuck for a long time. It's still Mm -hmm. one of the more popular methods of transmitting data over ham radio, but uh, it's not the top one anymore. Voice has taken over.
1: Right. Now, ham radio, uh, you may wonder where the term came from. It actually comes from Telegraph. Yeah. uh, Because there was a book by uh, GM Dodge. Uh, That's just realized how funny that is. called the uh, the telegraph instructor and in it uh the author identifies a ham as uh someone who's a really bad telegraph operator. Um and in the days when everybody was sharing a frequency some people would come in more um, intensely than others and they would be able to talk over everyone else because they had a stronger signal. Well, um those people were identified as hams because they were basically stepping all over everyone else's conversations and uh the people those people um, were you know the type of people who were taking that as a badge of honor, and uh, not not that they were taking their behavior as a badge of honor, but they thought uh, uh, they sort of basically latched onto the term and said, yeah, you know, we're amateurs, we're you know DIY radio operators, we're gonna you know, this is what we're calling ourselves, and it basically doesn't have that meaning now, but uh, it did at one time.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds like it was actually pretty pretty uh, similar to the theatrical use of the word ham mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know that would be someone who steps all over everybody else in an in attempt to uh, get all the attention i could think of someone on this podcast who fits that description boy are my ears burning for some reason <laughs> uh and you know i had mentioned earlier about the the really long radio waves being bouncing off the ionosphere yes I, I, I meant to mention this too i'm sorry that i didn't but that the shorter waves uh they are either absorbed or they actually pass through the ionosphere and go out into space. space. So that's the thing: is these radio waves aren't. Uh, it's not that they, you know, peter out. Mm-hmm. It's that's not the case. It's not that that's why they're not getting to the other side of the world. It's because instead of bouncing around the uh, atmosphere and back down to the earth, to the Earth, they actually pass through the atmosphere and keep on going. So people who are in that that first class of uh, of amateur radio operators. Mm-hmm are technically sending signals out into the ether toward aliens who will eventually come and either uh, ask us where all the cool ham operators are or they will eat
1: us. I'm thinking the latter. Me too. So um, speaking of – never mind. Uh, wow. I don't know where you were going. <laughs> no, I'm not sure either. All right. Um, So one of the really cool things about this is the fact that it is very uh, – a very DIY sort of hobby. I mean you can – you know, take your license test, get your license, go ahead and and buy a radio, or you can build one yourself.
0: Yeah, this is another way that this is different from CB radios, and yeah. that you know, with CB radios, you you can't build your own citizens band radio. Nope, uh, you have to purchase a licensed one. Mm-hmm. Um, although we did get that one email about how you can you can kind of uh, uh, get around that, but. In general, you're supposed to to buy a licensed radio for CB radio
1: as opposed the to – The rules yeah. say –
0: Now, yes. that's different for amateur radios. Yeah. They, amateur radio operators can uh, create, take up the hobby of building their own radios mm-hmm. and then using them to, to transmit and receive uh, uh, information. And um, which, uh,
1: which I guess explains why you need the, uh, the electronics theory in the test.
0: Yes, and they can be much more powerful mm-hmm. than CB radios could. I think CB radios were – limited to some crazy thing like 5 watts mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. amateur radios 1500 wow so that's, that's pretty so, significant yeah, a pretty big difference there and uh, now and amateur radios come in all shapes and sizes you can find some that are little handheld devices that you might tune to a repeater so mm-hmm. that you send your signal to the repeater and the repeater uh receives signals through one frequency and transmits them through another and uh then essentially uh well you know it kind of boosts your signal yeah um or you could uh, uh you could have a, a an amateur radio that's huge i remember reading one thing saying that it could take up half an attic where wow. you've got this enormous uh huge. amateur radio station mm-hmm. um in order to uh to uh, transmit and receive signals and um and every single amateur radio operator gets a call sign and unlike CB radio where you can pick your handle, mm-hmm. uh, these are call signs that are assigned to you and it all depends on where you live, what country you're in, you know, how each country has its own uh, method of assigning these call signs. Uh, in the United States, the call sign has a prefix and a suffix. The prefix is all based upon where you live, that um, the. the it's usually a letter and then a number or a couple of letters and a number. Mm-hmm. Um, and some states get multiple call signs. I uh, I assume that means that, that those are just have more amateur radio operators in them.
1: It would make sense.
0: So, can you guess which two states have the uh have multiple call sign prefixes? Which two? There are two states in the union that have multiple uh call sign prefixes. If I had to guess, I would think California and Texas. You
1: are so wrong! Wow, really? Alaska and Hawaii. Oh, well, you know when you say that, it makes sense. Now you think, yeah, the the I was just thinking
0: large geographical areas, but these are the two that are the most isolated from the rest of the nation. True. So there you go. And um, uh, yeah, so uh, Alaska's call sign prefixes are AL. Actually, there's quite a few. It's AL zero through seven, KL zero through seven. NL zero through seven, WL zero through seven, and Hawaii's are AH six through seven, uh, KH six through seven, NH six through seven, and WH six through seven. Wow! Yep, good to yeah. know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And so, uh, yeah, the the that if you if you hear the beginning of a call sign, you know where they are operating out of. And here's another interesting thing: is that most countries allow amateur radio operators to operate within their borders, even if they're not from that country. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you get your license in one country and you travel to another. Now in some, in some countries, they'll let you go ahead and operate, you know, as if you held a license there. Mm -hmm. Others may require you to actually pass an examination, a local examination before you're allowed to use your, your radio skills. Mm -hmm. But what do you do about your call sign? Because your call sign Identifies where you are, right?
1: We just talked about that. Well, you said where we're from.
0: Well, it's not just where you're from; it's where you it's where you're uh, transmitting from. Okay. So what what you have to do is you have a uh, an addendum to your call sign. Mm-hmm. You keep your regular call sign, and then you add uh, a little slash, and then you give the prefix for the area that you are currently in, and that indicates that. You are you – know, you're from this one region but you're actually broadcasting from another region for the time being mm-hmm. while you are uh, in transit.
1: That's that's good to know because um, wh- another thing that I thought was pretty cool about ham radio as I was doing my research and I had always wondered seeing uh, the license plates of cars that had their ham radio uh, call sign listed on the license plate like they do in some places, um, which was – you know, these we're not just because there are some radios that take up half of an attic doesn't mean that all ham radios are like that. No,
0: some are uh, very portable.
1: Yes, and 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 there are some people who use them in cars. So I would assume that if you're doing if you're traveling with your radio, you're going to have to make that you know that yeah, extension. To, you every would have time. to change
0: that whenever you would move into a new region. Now, most most of the um. Most of the regions are pretty big. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can think of two reasons why Alaska and Hawaii would have those multiples. One, Hawaii okay. is made up of a series of islands. True. So probably each island has its own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Alaska is enormous. Yes, it so is. So that would also make sense. So mm-hmm. that it may not even be the remote uh, uh, nature of these two states, but also just the fact that one is not a single landmass and the other one is a frickin' huge landmass. But at any
1: rate the uh I, I didn't understand that uh that that uh extension you have on there. It well it's the one for the inside of a bear I've been eaten. Yeah, right. I think I'm still in Alaska. <laughs> yeah,
0: it might be in Canada by now, who knows. Uh, but yeah, the way the way the uh the way you would say it is you would give your normal mm-hmm. call sign and then yeah. you would say portable which indicates that you are on the move and then you would give the prefix for whatever region you were in. Okay. And like I said most uh most of these call signs cover a fairly large area. So it's not like if you went from one state to another, you would necessarily have to change. You might have to go two or three states before you are in a new call sign area.
1: Right, right.
0: And this is the kind of stuff you need to know before you take your exam. Um, and there are uh, – it's funny. There are actually – a lot of ham uh, radio operators are, are really, really passionate about this hobby. That's not oh, the absolutely. funny part. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that makes sense, but yeah. yeah, they're very passionate about it and they're very eager to share their knowledge. And, uh, so if you run into a, an amateur radio operator or ham radio operator and, uh, and they are willing to impart that knowledge to you, uh, the common term for them is, do you happen to know this? No, I don't know this one. Elmers. I saw that and had wondered. I have no idea. Someone's going to write in and explain to us why they are called that. I don't know. That's interesting, though. Yeah. I was like, huh, I bet there's a reason for that. I'm sure there's a story behind it, but I couldn't find it while I was looking. Of course, <laughs> I, I was looking at, like, all the technical specs. And then, so by the time I reached that point, I was like, oh, too late. Got to go around the horn.
1: Now, um, yeah, if you're if you're wondering, there are several organizations. I mean, there there is the International Amateur Radio Union, uh, which is a very large organization. And then uh, here in the United States, the American Relay Radio League can also uh, clue you in. Um, if you're looking for more information about about doing this and it is it is a fairly affordable hobby as far as electronics go. Um, you know even uh, having to buy the equipment it can start at under two hundred dollars uh, in the United States so that's that's not terribly expensive um, for a you know uh, sort of out of the way you know not on not on the store shelves at Walmart sort of piece of equipment so that's um that's pretty cool it's not a terrible. Uh, barrier to entry.
0: Yeah, it's definitely it's it's kind of got an old school appeal to it. Yeah. I mean, I think unfortunately, I would say the the uh, rise of the World Wide Web has taken a lot of the appeal of of ham radio out for anyone other than radio enthusiasts, because the web has made it very easy to make contact with people on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, before you know, amateur radio was one of the few ways you could actually have a conversation with someone Mm -hmm. who was countries away without spending any extra money on the actual transmission. You didn't have any long distance phone charges or anything like that. You didn't have to send mail and wait forever for it to come back. You could have a real time conversation with someone and, uh, and, and it didn't cost you any more than what you had spent on your uh, examination and the equipment you were using. Mm -hmm. That was it. But, um, the web has made things so much easier that and that people who are still interested in radio, of course, they they haven't lost any passion for the for the hobby. Mm-hmm. But it's I think it's probably harder to get people into it.
1: Well, on the other hand, though, if it's something that, and uh, you know, it's it's this way with just about any hobby that I've encountered. You know, there are always people who really enjoy the exclusivity of it. Right. and i'm sure for those people who like the uh the idea that they're doing something that few other people are doing well, you know just enough to have a conversation with that's probably going to be an appeal to some people that dedicated to you know keep the activity alive and yeah. keep keep interest up in it
0: and it's definitely a skill set i mean it's oh, not yeah. you know building a radio requires a lot of skill and operating morse code and understanding morse code requires skill and and you know they they have competitions uh, there are ham radio competitions that are pretty interesting. Where within a certain given amount of time, you yeah. have to collect um, as many call signs as you possibly can, verified that you have collected these call signs, and usually it's a, an international thing where you're mm. trying to collect call signs from
1: across the world. Yeah, that's the uh, DX competition. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: and so you you have to try and collect as many as you can, and and you know they have to be verifiable. You know, essentially, mm. you're going to have to appear in someone else's book to. To show that yes, you did actually make you can't just write call signs down right. at random, um, and we should also mention. I'm surprised we've done this long without mentioning it. We've talked about Morse code and we've talked about voice. Those are mm-hmm. not the only two methods of uh, communication you can you can uh, send through amateur radio.
1: That's true. There's that's more. True. Yeah, like
0: e- television. That's true. You can actually use some of the uh, spectrum to send amateur TV. To people now, granted th- these don't tend to travel that far, so you tend you tend to s- display it to people who are in the area. But it's, mm-hmm. it's like creating your own public access.
1: <laughs> yep, and there's a packet, yeah. and radio teletype, right? So packet packet
0: information would be like the internet. I yes. mean, this was this we can thank Con uh, for this um, about the Con. Uh, yeah, I knew, uh, I was he. Uh, for that. It's very cold in radio. Um, <laughs> He uh no, we're Con and and Surf, you know. Yes. The the fathers of the internet, or people who worked on ARPANET and then continued to work as ARPANET, uh, uh, sort of made way for the internet. Um, one of the one of the uh, networks that got pulled into the internet was the radio network, mm-hmm. and once you were able to send packets, data packets through radio frequencies. That became an actual part of the internet. So when you think internet, I mean, we almost, I tend to think of the internet as computers and, uh, smartphones now, mm-hmm. things like that. Yes. Devices that send data like that in that method. But really, there's a, a radio element to it as well. And, mm-hmm. and amateur radio operators can use packets and send, send data through the radio. And, uh, the, the, the radio teletype that you mentioned, mm-hmm. Used to have to have really specific equipment to use that. You know, you had to have a big teletype machine.
1: Right. Like the, um, uh, like the ones you used to see in the newsroom.
0: Yeah, like the one that's, uh, featured in the Boomtown Rats song, I Don't Like Mondays. Yes. Anyway, so, uh.
1: Wow. Uh, <laughs> I had to think about that.
0: Yeah, it took it. it's the very first line. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's, it's kept so clean and it types to a waiting world. Uh, so. Yeah, you used to have to have these big machines. Now you mm-hmm. can use software on a computer and, uh, and have, have your computer hooked up to a, a transceiver and the computer acts as the, the teletype machine mm-hmm. and you can receive and send messages using radio teletype. And, uh, then there's the, the PSK mm-hmm. delivery as well. So we, we had to mention that because otherwise someone would write in and say, Hey, you know, you talked about voice and you talked about Morse code, but there's more to it than that. And there is.
1: And, uh, and people are using light. Yes, I saw that. That's LEDs. Com- yes, LED communications, uh, essentially to, to deliver the same information. And it, you know, as long as you have line of sight, uh, the LED is able to, uh, transmit the signal that way rather than, uh, the traditional way. So yeah,
0: that's true. I'm like, how do you call that radio still? Yeah, I know. That's, that's photonic, man.
1: Yeah. And I really wanted to get into that more, but we're running out of time. Yeah, we're running out of time. We we're running out of time.
0: It. And you know what? I read, I read that same article, but I need to read it. Yeah, again. I want to, I want to get it yeah. before I try to explain <laughs> it to someone else. Yeah, so. cause that was one of those where I'm like, this is really super cool and I just barely understand it. Well, uh, I hope that that was a good little discussion on ham radio. There's so much more that we can talk about. And like we said, every single nation has its own frequencies and its own uh, licensing procedure but if you're interested there are lots of uh, websites out there that can direct you to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh to resources to become an, an amateur radio operator
1: and you're sure to find an elmer who's willing to to talk to you about it oh Somebody sure excited about it to uh to mentor you in that
0: so moving on i wanted to talk very quickly uh-huh. about a little listener mail this listener mail comes from kevin from peoria How are things in Peoria? Peoria. Day it's a folk song. Okay. He says, Hello. I just had a quick comment. Chris had mentioned in your last podcast about microwaves how much he hates microwaving bread, and I completely understand. Here is a tip that my fiancé taught me. First, thoroughly wet down a paper towel and then unravel it. Next, wrap your bread, works particularly well with breadsticks, in the wet paper towel. Microwave for 15 to 20 seconds, and then carefully remove and discard the very hot paper towel. Then enjoy the the soft, warm bread stuff—it stays soft and warm for much longer than usual this way. I didn't believe her until she did it for me one day, and it worked. Believe me, it has revolutionized my dining experience with leftover breadsticks. Thanks for the great podcast. I especially like the puns. You are welcome, Kevin, and thank your fiance for us for helping us roll in the dough. Oh man, whackety schmackety do. <laughs> I can't believe you just, never mind. I know. All right, All right guys, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, if you want to learn more about ham radio, visit our website. It's howstuffworks.com. We've got blogs. Remember, you can check those out. You'll see those links on the right-hand side, or you can always just go to blogs.howstuffworks.com if you want a, the direct route. And remember, we no longer do Tech Stuff Live. Tech Stuff Live is on hiatus while we are working on the studio space. Uh, we hope to have something special by the time we get it back up and running. We're, uh, we're thinking up ideas right now. If you have any specific ideas you think would be great, email us, techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and we will talk to you again really soon.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the Works homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you...